0: as I teach from that side, but we'll get all set up here. How many of you know the story that we're going to be looking at today? Who's been reading ahead? Anybody been reading ahead? Knowing ahead? It is, uh, it's a very sad story. It's the fall of man into sin, okay? So that's where we will look today. Genesis chapter 3 and... We have 13 verses to read, but I am quite certain that we will cover them. Uh, I don't know if we will cover them is what I mean. I'm quite certain it will take a while to work through them. Genesis chapter 3 is where we are going to start. What's that? Page 3. That's right. Page 3, Genesis 3. Isn't that how good how that works? um i esther I hate to bother you. are you able to pick up my phone off off of my desk? yeah, my notes are on my phone, but not my iPad, so oh, never mind, never mind. There they are. all right, so I can drop them right here in one second here. um we are going to read through verse thirteen. Is there certain people that would like to read today? Let me just esther is one, and I can do the other. Genesis 3, 1 through 13. And give me just one moment while I drop this. There we are. Okay. Um, why don't you read verse 1 through uh, 5, and I'll read 6 through 13. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate and gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let's have prayer together. Lord, we read this story and it is a sad story. It is a story, however, that is so important to be understood and to understand not just the story, but the principles and how it these truths affect our lives. And I pray that because of today, that we'll be more on guard against sin and temptation. Help us to be more clear about your nature and your greatness. Help us to see that one day sin will be defeated and to take hope and joy in that. And may you be um, worshipped and loved here, and may we be blessed and strengthened by what happens, by this teaching and by this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well in Genesis 3, we have one of the most famous stories of all the Bible, Um, probably along with Noah's Ark and, you know, some of the baby Jesus in the manger, the story of the fall of man is very, very well known. And yet, I think as we return to it today, there is important truths to be learned. And uh, sometimes it You know, if you think about what we've studied so far, Genesis one and the creation of the universe is very foundational for our whole life and existence. Working up to this point, this is the next most fundamental basic thing. And that is that our world is broken by sin. And if there's sometimes a frustration that people have with life because we kind of expect things to be better than they are, right? and this passage shows that once sin entered the world was broken and so if you can accept that not in a sense of like i'm cool with people sinning like that's great i don't mean that but if you're mentally prepared for the world to not work the way it's supposed to it helps you be a little more aware and ready to respond correctly um because you know especially lost people they they're like man you know things should be better like we you know, we need to do better, and sometimes it's like we need to, you know, help each other more, and they kind of have these ideas of how the world could be fixed. As Christians, though, we know what the problem with the world is, right? It's sin, and this text shows us the entrance of sin into the world. So, feel free to ask questions as we work through this. Now, a couple things before we get into the text. One writer or theologian said that this is the first conversation about God, and it really is. Two people are talking. The serpent and Eve are having a discussion about God, and it's very important to understand this is not just about fruit on a tree, it's about perceptions about God, and we'll see that as we go further. Um, And then also, this is the third chapter into the Bible we meet, the serpent or Satan, and third to the last chapter of the Bible, we say goodbye to Satan, and he is cast into that bottomless pit forever. So, um, it's, um, actually not the bottomless pit. He's cast into the lake of of fire forever. So that's some encouraging thought there. All right. So verse one is where we'll pick up. Now the serpent was more subtle than all any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yes, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. All right. So this word subtle, um, oh boy. I think this one got left open or something. This is a brand new marker, isn't it? That that's a very subtle. That's right. You can <laughs> It's it's there, I promise, right? Um there we go. Look at that. Look at that. All right. Subtle um and the it says here that the the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now, immediately we think, okay, the serpent is subtle. What's the deal with that? But then it goes on to say, he said to the woman. So originally it's like the snake was more subtle than the other animals, but then in the next sentence, the snake is talking, right? So I believe the first sentence is about the animal itself. And the second sentence is about Satan inhabiting the animal. And so the word subtle is technically neither positive nor negative. It depends on the context in which it's used. It means to be clever or to be shrewd or to be, in a more negative sense, sneaky, um, cunning, crafty in the negative side. And the snake itself had something about it that drew Satan to inhabit the snake, okay? We don't know precisely what the snake looked like because he's cursed and he has to be on the ground. So some people think that the snake had legs or had other aspects of him. Before he was cursed. So it's possible that the snake's form and shape may have changed somewhat. Um, That's, again, a little more theoretical, right? But we have this subtle snake, this sneaky, crafty snake. But then specifically it says, he said to the woman, yes, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Um, He immediately starts talking to Eve and he asked her about what God said, right? What what did God say? And he asked the question, is this, is this what God told you? Now, if you go back to Genesis 2, did God tell Eve not to eat from this tree? No, he told Adam. Now, maybe he told Eve specifically, but we would assume more naturally that Adam told Eve what God said, right? And he passed that word along to her and another point to bring out here is why does the snake not come to Adam why does the snake come to Eve where is Adam where's Adam at um, we don't know precisely the answer to some of these questions some people believe that because the command was given directly to Adam that he specifically targeted Eve because she had received it second hand and there is something to the thought that For instance, when someone comes to the Bible and they say, God says to not do X, Y, Z. And then there's children of Christians where mom and dad told me that the Bible says X, Y, Z, right? Where it's a little more removed, right? And those are opportunities for Satan to have more influence. And that's why each of us wants to be most directly in contact with God as possible, right? So I don't know if that is his motive. Maybe there's other things. Some people say because she was created second he or or last that he picked her to to tempt specifically some of that is is some unknowns here okay but are there any other pictures in of the bible in the bible of satan besides a snake okay satan is called an angel of what of light okay is there any other depictions of Satan in the Bible? A dragon. Okay. Now, some people will point out at this point, they will say, the Bible in Genesis 3 does not say that Satan tempted Eve. It says the snake tempted Eve. So you're reading into the scripture to try to say that the snake, uh, you know, you say Satan tempted, but, you know, what if uh, what if it's just the snake and that's not Satan. Well, elsewhere in the New Testament, the idea of snake is directly attributed to Satan, right? And Revelation 12, 9 says, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So there's, and there's a couple other scriptures that specifically link this serpent with Satan himself. So as we understand the story then, The snake was talking because Satan was in the snake. And Satan was using the body of the snake, which brings up another question. Do demonic beings inhabit animals? They were cast into pigs, weren't they? So we have other examples of spirit beings, demonic beings inhabiting animals. And um, can Satan inhabit humans? Yes, he inhabited He will inhabit the Antichrist. He inhabited, who did you say? Mary Magdalene? I know there were seven demons cast out of her. Maybe Satan was one of them. Judas Iscariot. Judas was inhabited by Satan. And so we, just in general, we can know Satan and his demonic beings inhabit both animals and humans. And there are stories of human demon possessions as well. So this is a way that Satan works. And in America, we don't have a lot of demonic possession, at least that we see quite so evidently um, in, um, you know, some of the strange voices and shaking and some of these things. Um, Although I have, I have, uh, I I was in Gastonia one time and I was quite convinced that I was in front of a demon possessed person. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen here, but I think it's maybe a little more, uh, Have you heard of more common things in Africa and things, right? So it's much more common, right? So um, all that to say is that that's one avenue that Satan uses in his temptation, in his wicked work. And especially American Christians are very, not ignorant, but kind of disbelieving of some of Satan's workings in those types of ways. But he used it here in the first fall, the first temptation that was, one method that he used to inhabit this snake. Um, Okay, any question or comment on verse one? Brother Matt? Tim, Tim, has he turned up? Okay. He's doing a little switcheroo, it looks like. (laughs) He's working on it. That's all right. We'll wait for the thumbs up, okay? Okay. Let's try that. All right. Is he good? Am I good now, Tim? Okay. Yay. Yeah.
1: So, um I do have several questions about this first uh verse. Yeah, first verse. The first one is I actually read a book about this specific verse. Okay. And the book was about Was the fall of Satan happening the same time as the fall of man, or was it prior? And in the book, we couldn't conclude that it was at the same time, or it was prior. Okay. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, by same time, if you mean literally simultaneously at the same moment, I would say no, uh, because uh, Satan can only be in one place at one time. And so if he's being cast out of heaven or if he's challenging God in heaven, I don't believe he can be in the garden simultaneously tempting Eve. Yeah. Now, it could have been very, very soon after, you know, whereas in the same day or something like that.
1: Okay. So yeah, because the book was trying to establish did Saturn it fall before it tempted Eve or <laughs> it didn't fall yet, and this was part of the reason why
0: Oh yeah. That he so fell after this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they, we were, they went through different verses. It was a great book. Um, okay. They could not decide okay. which one was which.
0: You couldn't decide or the author couldn't decide?
1: I, I already had my, made up, my mind made up before I read it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if it okay. would change my mind. You are just checking it. it out.
0: So um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I struggled with the idea it could be after this mm-hmm. because the way that he lies about God And the way that he challenges God, to me, would say that this would be his first sin, then, right? Whereas I understand the first sin to be that he wanted to exalt himself to be like God. So, to me, in my opinion, it would have to be first. But you know, I'm open to reading the book if I have enough time. I have lots of books I need to read, just saying. So, I'm not promising to get it done this week. But um, you know, that's my opinion. So, for what it's worth. What's your other question? Or did that answer it? Or I somewhat.
1: don't think there's ever going to be an answer, but right. I was just curious to see what your sure. opinion was. Yeah, um, I'm of the same belief that, by the way, that he fell before. Okay. Uh,
0: okay. Before the temptation. Right. Right. Um, okay.
1: That's why there's the word subtle. There. Um, in my opinion. Oh, the subtle. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. It was the most subtle. Okay. That his nature was already shown. Somewhat. Right. Right. Um, the second question was, and I know it's a stupid question, but. I, bo- I was always taught, and I don't know if, the, if it's biblical, that Satan can only possess something that, like Judas, wasn't really saved. He wasn't; it didn't have Christ in him yet. Right. Then how come Satan can possess animals even though they're not? Like, I guess the way it was explained to me that you have to be wanting of that kind.
0: Oh, of, you have to allow it, basically. Y- uh, yeah, yes. a, a longing for Okay. His,
1: his worldly view or whatever it is for him to find a channel in you. Yeah. So how come he's able to possess? And I'm I'm asked that to ask the hidden question that all the animals were under God at that point. There was no sin yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't see our uh, entrance yet because there was no sin. So how was he able to enter the serpent?
0: Uh huh. Well, let me say a couple things in in the account of the pigs, the demons asked permission to enter into the pigs, right? And Jesus gave them permission. I do not know if something like that happened with the snake or not. We don't, the Bible doesn't record it, right? So, if he took over the snake involuntarily to the snake and he didn't ask God's permission, um, I don't know all the details of that. But the fact is, is that demons can inhabit animals. And since animals do not have moral capability, I don't believe that they have a choice. Humans do have moral capability. So humans would have a choice, animals would not.
1: Yeah, and that's why I'm asking, because now I understand that they wouldn't, because sin is already in the world. And kind right. Of
0: in yeah, so in the present tense, you understand. Yeah, but yeah. in this perfect world, that's where you're, That's out. where I'm, I'm kind of okay. like, okay, how did that happen? Okay. Um, uh, How? I do not know. The Bible does not say. My my theory um, is just that when Satan fell, right, he... The Bible says that man is put lower than the angels. Right? And it talks about Jesus becoming lower than the angels. Now, in our glorified state, we will judge angels. So we imagine that in our glorified state, we'll be above angels. But for now, maybe it's in our fallen state. We're below angels. And so the angels... Um, which maybe that undermines my point. If in the original creation, if, if angels were above or below man, or maybe they're parallel. But um, but when an angel fell and an angel was no longer on God's side and became his enemy and so on, um, you know, he immediately started trying to use what he could to get back at God and to yes. to do whatever. So the fact that this happened, that this snake was inhabited, you know, Satan is trying to work wherever he can, and Satan knew that the snake was near the humans, right? And perhaps he realized that they would listen to an animal more than they would listen to him directly, or, you know, I don't know all of the thoughts and the reasonings, but it, the, the fact, it's kind of like you're saying, why didn't God protect creation better? Almost like, it's kind of like the question. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, know I just wanna, I wanted to know how I was able to do that, because I know there's another book that explains this, which I don't agree with, they say the word serpent if you study Hebrew, which I didn't. Uh, yes. It <laughs> implies that it's, uh, the serpent refers to an angel. It's a some type angel. So certain type of angel.
0: Some type of angel? Yeah. Nah, uh, I've I, never heard that.
1: I don't really know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah. But I was just curious how. And
0: I don't even think, I mean, other Bible translations don't put angel in there. Like, all the kind of Bible translations use serpent. serpent and,
1: um, uh, uh, seraphim?
0: seraphim? Uh, yeah, they're mm-hmm. from
1: the same kind of um,
0: root. Yeah. Yeah,
1: depending on how you and uh, again, I. I'm not a theologian. Right. I'm not Trying to be one. Yeah, <laughs> and you <laughs> have to
0: be you have to be careful with the word association things yes. because there's times where you have the same root and you have two very different words from it. So just because they have a similar root, a word meaning is on its function, not always its origin. So, I mean, there there's all kind of examples. A really quick one I'll give you is the word martyr. Yes. We hear the word martyr and we think killed for Christ, and that's how it's been used for a very long time. But in the New Testament, the word marturios is in Greek. And people see that word marturios and they sometimes just go, oh, martyr, martyr, martyr. Well, no, it simply means witness. Mm -hmm. But what happened was there was a season of time where if you publicly witnessed, you were put to death. And so those words started overlapping and then it took on that own meaning. So when you talk about word meanings and sourcing words, you have to be careful. You're looking at the time frame of when they were used because words can change over time. Anyway, so does that uh, help at all? Maybe.
1: Right. So my question is was he watching when God was talking to Adam and Adam was talking like he was just lingering around while God sees what I mean that Yeah, how did he know that? Yeah, how did he know that?
0: Hmm. I never considered that in my study. How did Satan know to ask that question? Hmm. I don't know. I guess I guess either he overheard or maybe what did you say? (laughs) And And he's not gonna get it back. Oh, yeah <laughs> that's right. I know everyone's like uh do do we get to ask a question today <laughs> Yeah, um, so I do not know how he found that out, but he certainly did know it could have been when God said he could have heard them discussing it. He could have heard Adam and Eve talking about it um and he or he may have observed them if he watched them and he saw that there's this tree where they're eating all these other trees and they're not eating that tree, and he deduced it um You know, we don't know, so. All right, any other questions? Pastor Jeremiah has one. He'll hand that off. You can just extend it there. All right, thank you.
2: Goodness gracious. This is definitely not on, by the way. Timbo, can you turn it up?
0: It's on now. It's on. I can hear it
2: tapping. Is to praise the Lord Mm -hmm. or or whatever. So, I mean, there are angels that are constantly doing that. The Bible talks about guardian angels and Mm -hmm. things like that. But, I mean, I think in general that the angels are privy to what's happening on earth. Yes. Like, I don't think they are just living in their own world without any understanding of what is happening in earth. Mm -hmm. So, at that time, I mean— there wasn't much happening. Adam and Eve are there living and they're communing with God. Yeah. So I don't think it was a secret that God had communicated this to them. I mean, God might have even communicated to the angels. like Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, the whole host of all the angels in heaven may have been perfectly privy to what was happening on earth and the fact that there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, that God was putting it there, so there's a choice of love and things like that. It would make sense that the angels knew about God's creation and exactly what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I don't think it would be strange at all for Satan to have 100% knowledge about about what what yes. was going on on the earth.
0: And if you consider the verse in Hebrews that says they are ministering spirits sent forth to them that shall be heirs of salvation. You know, angels and man do have, they have a, not a, angels minister to humans. They have a purpose. That's one of their purposes. Obviously, they they serve God first, but he has told them to serve us as well. So, you know, I do believe that there is guardian angels. I do believe that there are angels that do things in our life, and we don't always see protection, uh, intervention, et cetera. So um, all that to say, if that is the case, then the fact that God's given one single command to man would probably be well known. All right, we have another question there with Esther. Is there anyone after Esther? We could allow everyone to get a question in on this first verse and then there'd be complete equality. All right. So I have the question that a lot of kids have is
1: could animals talk to humans?
0: Oh, before normal,
1: like other animals Mm -hmm. was part of the reason that you can't communicate them with them now, part of the curse.
0: Technically, I don't know, okay? That's my, my official answer. My guess is still no. And I tend to think that just because of the purpose, God told us to have dominion over the animals. And, you know, that's not to say that you wouldn't be able to say sit, spot, sit. And, you know, the dog can sit. Like, certainly they have the capabilities they have now, Right. But the idea that they could have full-on communication, I think challenges at the idea of God providing a help me and humans supporting humans versus, you know, animal. Like, I just think there are different levels. So I would tend to say, no, I could be wrong. A parrot can mimic noises he has heard. Yes. He cannot share advice on how to reconcile a marriage. So... Anyone else? Okay, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, she talks back, okay? We may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, so, you know, when, when this whole thing starts... The question from the snake is not, can you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That's not what he asked. He asked, can you eat of every tree in the garden? And he seems to be knocking at this fact of, why don't you get it all? You know, you got, you know, he's kind of coming at it from a certain angle. Can you eat of every tree of the garden? And he knows the answer is going to be no. But she says, we can eat of every tree of the garden, except for, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the midst of the garden is what she calls it, the one in the midst of the garden. And last week when we, in chapter 2, we talked about it being in the center. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he does say, um, we, she says, we may eat. And then she says in verse 3 that God said, you shall not eat from it. That is a plural you. So it's not you, Adam, it's you, Adam and Eve, you, humanity, may not eat from it lest you die. So she says, we can eat of all trees. And then there's this big exception, except. And there's a lot of trees in the garden. And there's one that they cannot eat from. And what this tells me, and I think I may mention of this before, is that a God who does not like humans would have created a garden with 100 trees and said you can only eat of one of them, right? And, or none of them as the case may be. But here there's all these sorts of trees and there's just one that they're not to eat of and it's the knowledge of good and evil. There's something in this tree that's different, that's special, that's unique from all the other trees. You know, when they ate the apples, when they ate the peaches, when they ate the, what other trees are there that bear fruit? The bananas, the oranges, all the other, nothing shocking happened to them, right? It was just, they tasted it, they liked it, it was good. But this one tree was different. This one tree was different. And I, I made mention of the apple trees. Eve didn't eat an apple necessarily. We don't know what fruit it was. Um, if you have find a fruit tree and you really, really don't like it, maybe you can imagine that that's the one that they ate from. Um, but we don't know if it was... What, what the fruit was. The Bible doesn't say. But Eve, in her response, she, she gives back an, an answer, but she does have some issues in her answer. She says, God has said, you shall not eat from it, neither shall you touch it. And she adds in the touching thing, right? So she changes the message there, adding, um, she adds, and That's an ad. And then also she removed a word in the sense of surely. And not only does God say in the day ye ye eat thereof, you shall surely die, but also that Satan in verse four, he uses the word surely. You shall not surely die. Do you know what that word surely is in the Hebrew? It's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know this till I studied through this. This is how you you do um, surely die in Hebrew. die, die. It's a double emphasis. It's there twice. And God was trying to make it crystal clear. He was double emphasizing it. It's like the verb and the infinitive all put together. It's double, you will die, die. And um, Satan says it that way, and God said it that way, but Eve here, she just says lest you die. So she she doesn't carry that emphasis with it. Um, But I mean, technically she's right, you know, you would die. She doesn't say in the day you eat thereof, but um, so she gives, this is what God said. So she, she doesn't quite give it the emphasis God did. She adds in this restriction on touching it, neither shall you touch it. And I don't know all to read, I don't know everything to read into that. Some people make a really big deal about the adding in. I think the principle for us is that when we add to God's word, we might think we're doing good, but we're not, right? Like we shouldn't add extra restrictions, and God never said they couldn't touch it. From a practical standpoint, we would be like, well, if you start touching it, rubbing it, you might start eating it, right? But God hadn't said that, so she wasn't really giving an accurate response to to Satan. And she gives her response, and it's off of her response that he comes back again, and he starts talking further. The first time he comes to her, he comes with a question now, when he comes back in verse four, he comes with a blatant contradiction. And so the first is like, did God say that? And, and in fact, when we look at that, some, some people read the, he said to the woman, yes, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Probably the idea behind it is not like, did God actually say these words? But it's more the idea is, did God really say that? Like in a mocking sort of like derogatory way. Did God tell you you couldn't eat of every tree of the garden? Um, do you understand what I'm trying to say with the emphasis there? It's his first approach is not like, oh, you, you probably just misheard him, you know, and you just you didn't understand. That's not really the tack he's taking. He's he's saying, oh, my goodness, God said you shouldn't eat of. Did God say you shouldn't eat of every tree in this garden? And it's that um, mocking derogatory. uh question that hasn't implied he shouldn't say that. And that's what leads him to that next phrase. He says, you're not truly really going to die. Like this whole thing, he's trying to tell Eve, this whole thing is a big hoodwink for you. And this is what Satan does, is he constantly is trying to come at what God has, what God has said, and he's trying to turn everything upside down, complete backwards. And in verse four, he he out and out says, you shall not surely die he contradicts it completely so he starts off with a, oh my goodness I can't believe he said that and then he turns it to that's not at all the way things are and in this moment Eve is listening to this and again I don't know if God directly told her or if she heard from Adam but she's hearing for the first time ever in existence she's hearing two different sides to a story have we all experienced two different sides to a story Did you know that Satan has another side to the Word of God? Satan has a thought about the Word of God, and he has a plan that's different than the Word of God, and there's a whole other take on life that's opposite the Bible. And so Satan comes along, and he wants to attack and discredit, and he wants to confuse, and he wants to do everything he can so that people do not listen to and believe and understand and follow the Word of God. So he's being uh, more direct now, and he says, You're not surely going to die. You won't die. And this is a fundamental point in, well, let, let's do verse 5, and we'll do a little more teaching and take some questions. But he goes on to explain For God knows that in the day you eat from it, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This is the first lie in the Bible. It's the first lie. It's the first differing difference of opinion, so to speak, in existence. And Eve is sitting here taking in this new information. But what is at the heart of this information is this. God is not really being good to you. And I will tell you the real truth, the real secret to success. The real path forward is what I have to say. And this is really, when it boils down, when it really, really boils down, this is the temptation of all sin. All sin behind it says that God is clueless in his commands, that God is foolish in his commands, that God is ignorant in his commands, that God it, hates people in his commands, right? And when you listen to the world and their description sometimes of some things the Bible says, they're like, oh, you're so mistreat. I mean, you're so small-minded and you're, you're missing out on so much, and And it's just like, you're missing out on a good life, right? That's what the world says to us. And you know what we say? We say, no, you're missing out on a good life, right? And there's a complete difference, a a very strong contrast. And that's what's happening right here. Satan is telling Eve, there is a better world for you. You could have a new experience. You could have things far better than they are. But God is pulling one over on you. And this is the basic story behind all temptation and I'm not, I won't go into examples because any example will do, okay? So before we, before we go further, I just want to read uh, some few things that I, this is stuff I wrote up earlier, but before Eve ever grabbed the actual fruit, like the actual grabbing of the fruit was the breaking of the law of God. But before that happened, there was a change in her view of God. Her view and her relationship with God changed. In that moment, God was rejected by her. And she had a less than accurate view of God to replace the prior view of God. He became a bad God in her eyes. God is now depicted as a liar, as an oppressor with bad motives. And simultaneously, Satan is presented as the good guy and God as the bad guy. Satan is putting himself in the place of God. Satan is the liberator of the oppressive Jehovah. He provides freedom through his plan. No, No, he does not. He's a liar whose freedom, quote-unquote, is bondage and whose claims are falsehood. You know, later... (laughs) Do you remember later God comes to talk to Adam and Eve? Do you remember that we're going to get there? Where is Satan then? He is gone. You know why? Because Satan can't hold up his claims in front of God's presence and actually have a foot to stand on, right? So he has to work behind the scenes, and over here. And when, when rubber meets the road, and they have to meet God and talk about this, Satan's gone. And can I just remind you that that temptation and that work of Satan and that lust of the flesh or that temptation that comes from your own heart or whatever, um, you feel, in that moment of temptation, you feel drawn or you feel open or uh, excited or whatever the feeling may be. Oh, this would be good, this, whatever it is, this sin. But when the effects of that sin come, where is that feeling? It is long gone, right? And that logic that you had in the moment is long gone. And you see how just horribly twisted this thing was. Sin is basically really bad logic. It's really bad logic. But we, we don't, it, it's not just a rational issue that goes to the heart. But sin makes no sense, right? I'm just going to go take someone's money, right? I'm just going to go like yell at someone, like nobody gets up in the morning and writes that on their to-do list, right? But what happens is there's this, you know, in the moment and in our heart and our spirit, there's this loss of common sense, right? But this is why we have to cling to the word of God above our rational mind. Our rational mind is not sufficient to beat sin. You can be smart, you can have 4.0 PhD, you know, CEO, whatever. You can be a brain and still sin, 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 right? It's not ultimately rational. But sin is irrational. And so we have to cling to the word of God above all other things. God has said, God told me, God is good, he is reliable, he is trustworthy, his word says, his spirit leads. God has showed me that this is true. Period. End of story. And that will preserve us from many a pain. Um, okay, verse 5. I still Let's take any questions or comments before we go any further. Pastor Jeremiah.
2: With regard to the touching of of the fruit Mm -hmm. and her adding that and with what you were saying about, you know, the danger of that. I I do think that maybe, maybe Adam said, you know, Eve, let's not even, let's not even go near it. Let's not touch it. And so there's an application on off of what God told Adam, maybe Adam said, or maybe Eve determined herself, I'm not going to touch it. Right. And so that's a good thing, really. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. And it, it, it set a boundary, right? right? Whether Adam said it for her or she said it for herself, right? Um, but the problem was when it became the law, right? And so, I and think when she
0: inaccurately says God yes, said this, right, right, God right. said this, right? And
2: right. in a lot of religious circles, um, yes. and and really within quote unquote Christianity at large, yes, there are a lot of you know there's the word of god and then there is this is an application based on this verse but right. we're making it right law. right and i mean especially i'm sorry but the catholic church comes to mind uh-huh. not to pick on them all the time because there's a lot of religions that do this uh-huh. but and cults do it too but like they they say they take something that's not in scripture and they say do this or right. you're sinning right and and even if that thing is a good thing yes it now has become the word of God, quote, unquote, and it's not true. And so then it ends up misleading people instead of helping people. Yes. Um,
0: Yeah. So if if you think of it as right and wrong being a line like this, and then we have, let's say, sin out here that, you know, we have what is certainly right and what is certainly sin. And some people put up what we call an extra fence, which would be even though Let's see here, I think i I did this incorrectly. maybe I put my let's try putting it like this. Here's sin like this, and here's what is we know is right. there we are, and some people add an extra fence that's further away from sin, and they do so out of wisdom, right, and they want to protect people from sin this There's good wisdom in this. The problem that comes up as he's talking about, is where this line becomes anything inside here is sin, right. And that's where we've redefined what sin is. So, you know, there's, um, and, and sometimes there's maybe even some gray areas where it's like that could be wrong, you know, and that's where conscience comes in and the spirit leading and some of that. But the word of God is clear on a number of different things that we know are sin. You know, it's, it's sort of like, so I've heard this example. It's a good example. You know, the Bible condemns adultery, right? It's wrong. It's sin. Does the Bible condemn sending a flirty text to someone else's spouse? well, it's not adultery technically, right? But that's certainly a step to adultery, isn't it? Yeah, so, so and, and then it's like, well, okay, well, does, does uh, the Bible condemn, you know, giving a gift? You know, and, and that's where you enter this area of, it's like, well, things that lead to other things should be avoided, right? Um, and, but some people are over here like, well, you can't prove to me that it's sin, right? And that's where the orientation of the heart comes in. So for Eve specifically, it seems like she's saying this from a good place, where she's saying, neither shall you touch it. Like, she says God said it, which was wrong to say that, but if she had just said, I'm not going to touch it, right, and she had held to that standard, she would have never eaten it, right? So, would to God she had listened to her own, you know, (laughs) addition, but she didn't, so. or anything else on that?
2: Yeah, well, just one more thing on that, and that is that I know that, like, I said Catholic churches but I mean yeah. plenty of Baptist churches preach s- certain standards as right. like this is right and, is, wrong. Yeah, yes. right and wrong and yes. then people go out thinking that is like a Bible truth when it's yes. not and that can create right. but then with verse um, 3 or 4 I don't remember now but he oh yeah Satan's lie so it is it's verse 5 um,
0: about God yes mm-hmm. Satan's
2: lie really what I think is the most powerful thing and this is my opinion tell me if, if you agree or not but but i think the most powerful thing about this lie is and really the most powerful thing about any lie and the reason that cults are able to capture people's minds so so greatly is that he mixes his lie with truth mm-hmm. because I- it was true that their eyes would be opened and they would know the difference between good and evil mm-hmm. when they sinned mm-hmm. and so he mixes that in there that truth with the lie that they would be like God. Yeah. And now you have a very, very powerful, powerful right. lie. So like just blatant lies, for most people it's Fall hard flat. for them. Yeah. It's just yeah. too far fetched. Right. But when you mix truth and or scripture with a lie, you can really, really, really get people mixed yes.
0: up. Yes. It's a good thought. Is there a hand over here? Okay. Well, if it comes around, you can raise it again. So let me finish with verse 5. I'll teach through a little bit more. We'll take any questions and we'll be done. But the verse 5 says, God knows that in the day you eat from it. And right there, what Satan is claiming is that he knows God's thoughts. God knows that if you eat that, this is what's going to happen. So Satan is acting as though he knows God's thoughts. And then he promises them an empty promise that they shall be like God's or like God. Do you know when it says ye shall be as gods, that word in Hebrew is Elohim which is the same word that we use for God and there's a huge discussion and we'll get into the weeds but Satan may be telling them you can be another God or he may be telling them you'll be like the one true God Um, and in a sense if you're like the one true God you'd still be a different God right? So, but you'll be as God Um, and he offers them this divine, you know, uh, the idea is they'll be elevated. Right now you're a human, but you can be like God. He's offering to them what he wanted himself, which he didn't get. And now he says, oh, you can have it, right? And so Satan, what he's really doing is, you know, it, it's like the kid at the party whose party favor got broke. And so he goes around breaking other kids' party favors because nobody's going to have If I can't have fun, nobody can have fun, you know? That's basically a big picture of what Satan's doing. I got kicked out of heaven. I want everyone to get kicked out of heaven. And so he's doing everything he can to take everyone he can down with him. And he he wanted to be like God, and instead he fell, right? What happened to us? He says, hey, you can be like God. They believed him. We fell. Just like Satan fell from heaven, man fell from innocence. And um, and so he offers them what he failed to get. and And then you know, along with this is he, God created a certain order, right? And in the New New Testament, it says that the the father is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of every man and head of every man is the woman or head of every woman is the man and talks about kids and, you know, animals and all the way down we go, the created order. And Satan comes along and says, you can hop up in the created order and you can just be, you know, just like God. Well, God's created the created order. And if you think that you can undo it, um, you're believing a lie of Satan. So, um, and and another thing, too, is kind of this whole, like, you can have it all. Like, you have all this garden, but you can really have it all. You can have everything. You can have every tree. You can have much more knowledge. And it's kind of like kids, you know, where when they're real little, you know, they just want to do everything. Like, I want to fly to the moon, and I want to eat all the candy in the world, and I just want everything, I want everything to be mine, wouldn't that be great? Well, that would probably be not great if everything was some kids, but, um, but in their mind, like, I just want everything, and, and for us, as we're adults, we kind of look at that, and we do the little, uh <laughs> yeah, kids, but for us, sometimes our desire is simply just to have a little better than what God gave us, a little more than what God gave us. And for Adam and Eve, they had all these trees, but there was just one they couldn't have. And Satan comes along and says, oh, well, you can have that. That's just a ploy and a plot. And you can be much better off if you will listen to me. Um, So we see Satan's attempt and his lead up. And so I don't know in your day-to-day if there's moments where you're tempted to doubt the Lord, to doubt the goodness of God, to doubt the word of God, And as though, you know, I know the Bible says it, but maybe it's not true. You know, maybe God won't. A lot of times it's not quite that blunt. It's just sort of this personal, like, I'm the exception to the rule, right? It's the, well, nothing, I didn't get struck by lightning last time I did it. So I can do it again and I won't get struck by lightning, you know. And people mistake God's grace for his approval, right? And God gives space to repent. He gives time. But, um... You know, as temptations unfold, I hope going through Genesis 3 will help us be more aware and more perceptive. Ultimately, you know, one of the big keys to defeating temptation is, you know, we'd love to memorize the whole Bible and just quote it back. It's a little hard to memorize the entire Bible. But you know, do you see at the heart of it all is just a really good view of God, a trusting, big, beautiful view of a wonderful, good God. Trust God's goodness. Trust that his way is best. Know that he loves you and wants the best for you. And then when temptation comes, you go back to that fact that no, God is good. Like he is beautiful and good and he truly loves me. And so when he said, don't do that, I'm just going to trust that he was good to say that. And it's not, it's not restrictive. It's not a curse. The commands of God are not a curse. They are a blessing. So may we joyfully live out um, obedience this week and defeat temptation. Any final questions or comments before we go? Now Debbie has remembered. Anyone else? This is a new one. Okay, it's a new one. Yes. Yeah. That plays a part of it, for sure.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. 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 He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So. And in a way, it's sort of like you're going to get temptation, so just cut down on your temptation and and don't hang out all the time, yeah. All right. Okay, I, I
1: going to ask about angels. Mm-hmm. Stuff. How would you know, I guess you would know you have to just be wise if this person is really an angel. Oh, right. Or is it the devil trying to get to you?
0: Right. As an angel? Well, I think a couple, there's a couple things um, that's probably a big topic. I think ultimately, we're never told to pray to angels or to even look for them, but the Bible does say they've entertained angels unawares, unawares, and so I believe that in eternity, we'll find out the times that we saw angels, and perhaps even in this lifetime, we can look back and see that that was an angel that God sent. I don't believe personally that, now I I could be wrong, this is please take this as an opinion and not like the Bible. But I tend to think that when people interact with angels, they don't know it until at least after the fact, generally. And I think that's one reason why we need to treat everyone, like, if they're not an angel, they're created in the image of God, right? So either way, treat people with respect and love and just, you know, and, um. but the Bible does say they've entertained angels unaware. And so, um, I think, there's, I think that just gives us a little bit more of an awareness that God is at work in my life, and if he delivers me or rescues me, sometimes it's in the invisible world, other times it's in the visible. But he is good, and he's watching over me. And, and so Now, with the angel of light thing, that's where we, won't, we don't want to put our trust ultimately in angels ever. And so that's what it's really troubling when I talk with someone about salvation, and they share a story with me about seeing a bright light. And they'll say, I know I'm good with God now because I saw this bright light. And I'm like, that's very concerning because our faith is not in angels. It's not in bright lights. Our faith is in Jesus Christ himself. And so I know, I know Paul saw a bright light on the road to Damascus, and it was indeed the Lord Jesus. I I recognize that. But it also says Satan is transformed into an angel of light. So to me, the difference is Paul didn't go around saying, you need to see a great light. You need to see a light. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So to me, that's the difference is if you if you have some special experience, you know, thank God for it, whatever, but always put your faith in the Lord himself and not in some experience. So, okay, well, let's pray and we'll do our announcements and let you roll. Lord, it has been a good day. It has been a busy day. And I praise you, Lord. We had a large attendance in the first service. And for this one, we have a small attendance. And for both of these attendances, we praise you and we thank you. We give you credit and glory. I pray more importantly than just the number that each heart was open to your word. And I pray that what was said in the first service, what is said in this service, would help all of your children to walk more carefully and and closely and lovingly with you. Help us to have a good view of you, a view of your gentleness and your kindness and your love for us. And just to have a simple childlike faith that your way is best. I pray for any lost soul that's been in either service and continue to build and bless our church. We thank you for the teens that came. We thank you for the open doors. We thank you for some of these new relationships. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will move and will bless in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you are dismissed. Oh, announcements. Let's, uh, Tim, are you there? Can you roll through those? Connection cards, we know that one. What's the next one?